Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Schedule. But guys, I've got an interesting question for you, okay? It's right. a It's a would-you-rather question. So here we go. Would you rather be able to dodge anything no matter how fast it's moving or be able to ask any three questions and have them answered accurately? Which this is, one? This is a ridiculous question. <laughs> it is pretty ridiculous. Any any three questions, like you pick three questions and those are the three you can ask for the rest of your life or... I mean, oh, I didn't even think of it that way. I was just thinking, I was wondering if I could get the question, I had to ask them all right now or if I could save them. Like... In 10 years, I've, I'm facing something really crazy, and I, I want to ask a question. I, I guess that can be interpreted multiple ways. Or it's three ways. questions like, <laughs> like anytime I ask this, I get the right answer. We should follow up with a You're person. Like, what's the combination that? of this lock? Like, we are all through my life, I get, to, I get to open any lock. You know what I mean? Like a safe. Yeah, exactly. Oh, is, I would be yeah, that's what this I'm is, asking. This, I'm just planning how is to... Is the question <laughs> reusable? Because yes. it seems like the ability to dodge things would be reusable for the rest of your life. Uh, it seems to be but, that way. But three really good questions could set you up for a, for a long time. Hmm. I mean, depending on the questions, I guess yeah. so. Yeah. Nikki's tone seems to indicate that she thinks we are overthinking this like, dumb would-you-rather like, question. Like if I ask the question, not, not what, what stock will be most valuable in 40 years or whatever, you know? Well, then that's that's entertaining the idea that that person you're asking knows the future. Well, it just says I get an accurate answer. I don't know who I'm asking. That's the that's the weird part. It's like, am I... This just <laughs> blew up. <laughs> well, we we just learned about Clayton's greedy heart. His, his first <laughs> is, contemplation is, is, how can I leverage this, this to make more money? Un- Isn't this what all superpowers are really and- about? <laughs> How can I unlock a lock and know what stocks to, to, to bet on, bid on, whatever, invest in? I mean, you, could, you could think of it in, in, in more, you know, humanitarian ways or, or more relational ways. Like, you'd be like, what, you know, what would be the best thing in this, like, big decision I've got to make, you know, about yeah, where yeah. to move or what job to take or, you know, whatever. Like, what to do in this situation with my kid. Mm-hmm. So, well. But I want to know if I can save it. Because I can't ask all those questions now. I almost picked the dodging question mm. or the dodging choice. Well, so, how many th- th- times do you have to dodge something? Like, I realize, like, if you were being shot at, it would be very valuable. But, like, how I, it's not like, I don't know. The enthusiasm with which Clayton <laughs> is engaging in this question. <laughs> so I almost thought the dodging choice, because there's so many, like, active shooter mass shootings going on in our country that I thought oh, if I man, could just got serious if fast. I could just go it to really those did. this is what I'm, yeah, I'm no, just seriously. telling you what's happening in my head I could go to those places and stop it because I oh, could dodge like, the okay. dodge but then I'd have to know when they're happening so I need to combine no, the, the questions, questions no, with get, the I'll pick the questions and then I'll ask oh. where that's happening and then and then we send Ferris Clayton and I are going to stop we're going to stop all mass shootings by, oh, by doing I'll, that by that Okay. Where's where is the next so, thing? So you're gonna. We're dodge. like a superhero tandem. Exactly, yeah. you're the dynamic duo. So you're gonna dodge stuff. Yes, to take down the and active shooter. I will shooter. pick the question. Where's the next shooting? And then he'll go do it. Dang. Wow, this got this That's got intense. Good. That is good. It's I way s- better than Clayton's greedy. Like, tell me what <laughs> yeah, stocks me the, are gonna. Yeah. I I feel like if I could dodge anything, I, that I would use it as like. Uh, like a like a prank or uh, like showing off. Like I'd just go dodge a bunch of like ridiculous stuff. Like I'd go, I you know, 
jump around in traffic or something. Mm. Unless the dodging includes dodging questions. Ooh. Wow, <laughs> metaphorical. Metaphorical. <laughs> okay. Eric. <laughs> did, tell us what we're talking about today. We're talking about questions other than, and... Other than dodging questions and things. Okay, we are in Second Kings chapter 13. Very brief context setup. Context is the first thing we do in the comma method, C. Uh, and so we're getting towards the end of Second Kings. And so just one brief comment here. As you read the end of Second Kings, it is a rapid fire list of the kings now. So in some of the reading in First and Second Kings, the stories kind of dial in and spend a little bit more time focusing on a certain person or a certain event. Here, we're just going to get rapid shots going through this succession of kings, getting us to the conclusion of Second Kings, where it says, essentially, because of all of this, this is why the Lord sent his people into exile. So that's what's going on here. So this is just one more king in the line of kings. Clayton's going to read chapter 13, verses 1 to 9. In the 23rd year of Joash, son of Ahaziah, king of Judah, Jehoahaz, son of Jehu, became king of Israel in Samaria, and he reigned 17 years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord by following the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, which he had caused Israel to commit, and he did not turn away from them. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel, and for a long time he kept them under the power of Haziel, king of Aram, and Ben-Hadad, his son. Then Jehoahaz sought the the Lord's favor, and the Lord listened to him, for he saw how severely the king of Aram was oppressing Israel. The Lord provided a deliverer for Israel, and they escaped from the power of Aram. So the Israelites lived in their own homes as they had done before. But they did not turn away from the sins of the house of Jeroboam, which he had caused Israel to commit. They continued in them. So the Asherah pole remained standing in Samaria. Nothing had been left of the army of Jehoahaz except 50 horsemen, 10 chariots, and 10,000 foot soldiers, for the king of Aram had destroyed the rest and made them like the dust at threshing time. As for the other events of the reign of Jehoahaz, all he did and his achievements, are they not written in the book of the annals of the kings of Israel? Jehoahaz rested with his ancestors and was buried in Samaria, and Jehoash, his son, succeeded him as king. All right, so we move on to the next letter in the comma method, which is O for observation. So let's just take a minute here and remind our listeners of when we're doing observations, you're looking at the text. What are we looking for? What is the acronym for what we're looking for? Treats. Treats. All right, and a reminder, the the T, so it's T-R-T-S. We're looking for these things. The first T is? Theme. Mm -hmm. The second, the R is? Repeating words and ideas. The second T is? Uh, truths about God. And then the S is? Something striking. All right. So we are looking for treats in the text. It's an acronym. If you're ever wondering, like when they say observation and they just start pulling stuff out, what are they looking for? This is the stuff we're looking for. And so what do you guys see in this text? First off, um, I just need to uh, applaud Clayton for going through all those names and pronouncing them <laughs> amazingly. We don't know if I got it right. But it sounded like you knew what you were doing. So, um one of the things that I see here is um, this. It's there's a the repeating word of like sin is mentioned a lot, um, or this concept of like uh, them doing evil in in the eyes of of God. Um, so I see that as a repeating a repeating uh, word, but also like a a theme 
You know what I mean? Like that's that's a theme. Like people people continuing sinning and then continuing to. Um, there's a little bit of like a sin, judgment, repentance, mercy, and sin. Like it's kind of like this cycle. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. You say cycle because one of the things that jumped out to me is let's see. Let me find the verse here. Oh, it says where he sent them. Verse five, the deliverer part. Yeah, the Lord provided a deliverer for Israel. That is the cycle of judges, Yeah, right? They sin, they get oppressed. The Lord sends them a judge, a deliverer. They get set free. They repent of their sins. They So that cycle is definitely in here. Yeah. Well, and it's weird when you consider that at the end of those cycles and judges, the big conclusion is we need a king. And so now the kings are a part of the, like they're, they're repeating the same cycle, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and I and I noticed the repetition, not internal to this story, but also just with all of the kings we've been seeing, where it uses some of the same phrases. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He they continued in you know the sin of Jeroboam. Like the, yeah. these certain things is so it's such a drumbeat in the book that you feel you you get that sense it's headed somewhere bad. Like we keep hitting this, hitting this, hitting this, hitting this. It's going to crash. What else do you see? Um, I see the uh, it, it sometimes in stories they they will include details of just saying this is what happened, but it's striking when it says the Lord did this, and so in verse three it says the Lord's anger burned against Israel, and for a long time he kept them under the power of the king of Aram. So um, you know it'll, sometimes it'll just say oh this battle happened, this invasion happened, or whatever, and you kind of you know infer maybe this was a consequence of something, but this it says it very explicitly. The Lord brought the you know these people in, and they were defeated because of that. Yeah, that's one of the the things that I saw. One of my observations, which I guess fits two letters of the acronym treats truths about God and uh, repeating words and phrases, because you see the Lord multiple times. The phrase mm-hmm. the Lord the uh, they did evil in the sights of the Lord. The Lord's anger burned. Uh, the Lord's then then Jehoahaz seeks the Lord's favor. The Lord listened to him. The Lord provided a deliverer. There is there is an activity of the Lord in this that seems to be not just natural consequences playing out of certain decisions, but rather the sovereignty of God imposing itself on human history. Yeah, well, one of the things that I thought was striking kind of in contrast with that verse was that when Jehoahaz seeks the Lord's favor, the, ne- the thing it says that God did, it says he saw how severely the king of Aram was oppressing Israel. So it's it's this interesting side-by-side of God was angry, so he sent the king of Aram, and God saw that king of Aram was oppressing them. So there's like, like these multiple layers of God's evaluation of this. It's like, this is a thing that is appropriate punishment for them, but also there's like a compassion on how much mm-hmm. that punishment hurts for them. And, and it, granted it's connected to him, you know, repenting and turning and asking God for help. But like there, there is, I don't want to say complexity, but there's like multiple layers. It's not very, it's not a very like one dimensional, like God has these uh, complex opinions about the situation that's going on. Well, I mean, don't you guys kind of feel like that with your kids? Uh Sometimes yes. you, uh, when like I'm when doing you, well. When when you, <laughs> <laughs> well, like, like I think of like my, my parents, like growing up, like I don't, I don't have kids. Right. But like, I can, I can, uh, kind of like get on my mom's level right now, my dad's level and say, Oh, when I was a kid, 
and you had to discipline me because of the way I acted, you didn't really want to be doing that to me in that moment, but you knew it was going to be for my goods. But at some point you, you know, you've ungrounded me, you know what I mean? Because of your compassion. Oh, that's enough. You know, hopefully you learned your lesson. Um, I, I, it's, it's like a picture of that to me. Yeah, it's the it's the instruction in the household codes in Ephesians for fathers to not exasperate their children. Like the the coaching there is enough is enough, right? Yes to discipline, but don't be overbearing with it. Yeah, and well, and there's there's an implicit sympathy with your child. Like you're on the side of your child, saying, "I want what's good for you." Yeah, and discipline is a good thing for you, but that but because I'm on your side, I also know that the the discomfort, the pain, the the difficulty of this is something that I don't really ultimately want for you. You know what I mean? I only want it instrumentally. I don't want it ultimately for, for your sake. I think that's how God is with us. Well, let's talk about this a little bit more, and it will probably start wandering into the first M in the comma method, which is message. The uncomfortable idea that the Lord might be keeping someone under pressure or in a certain situation that they don't like for discipline, for judgment. How do you guys think about that? How do you talk to people? Because I, I personally get uncomfortable when the presumption is like, oh, you're sick? That's probably because there's some kind of sin in your life. But the Bible does tell us that sometimes physical ailment is connected to sin issues, but not always. Or, or people that just presume, well, I'm going through this difficult time because the Lord must be teaching me something. And I often find myself well, why are you just assuming that that's what's going on? But this says seems to indicate that sometimes that is in fact what is going on. So how do you guys navigate all of that? I, I find it really difficult um, because because sometimes someone's Job, right? That if Job, if Job had done what they did, like his friends were trying to say, you're going through something bad. God, God must be punishing you, teaching you something. You know, this is, this is on you. Um, but Job was right. He hadn't done anything wrong. And so the like the the big picture of the Bible says, well, sometimes it's this, sometimes it's that. But you don't necessarily get a window. You don't get the decoder ring. You don't get the like the prophet saying, and here's what's going on. Um, and so it's really, really difficult. It it almost gets presumptuous sometimes. Um, one one thing I tr- I try to do for people is to say, the reality is God is always trying to form you. His goal is always the same. He wants you to be like Jesus. So if he if there are good things in your life right now. You have to think, how, how did I get these good things? You need to ask the question, what about this will help me become like Jesus? If there are hard things going on in your life, you don't need to say, okay, what, which thing led to this? You can say, what about the difficulty here is refining me and making me more like Jesus? And sometimes that pressure, they realize, you know what? It's exposing something. Like there's uh, like, obviously there's really natural consequences. Uh, my relationships are falling apart when it's exposing the fact that I have an anger problem. Well, okay, that's easy to connect the dots. You don't need, you know, a prophet to do that. Um, but sometimes when someone, you know, gets sick or they have financial difficulties or something, what comes to the surface is something they always needed to be dealing with. And I usually say, you don't have to worry if God did it for that reason, but if that's the result, well, that's part of God's purposes. He wants you to be free from those things. So I try to distance from the actual, like, this is what God's really doing now. But it's hard because because the Bible tells us that sometimes that is what's going on. Yeah, I think sometimes, like I've heard a couple of the the situations that I've been in with people, 
um, when it comes up to bad things happening in their life, they ask that question like, well, is is God judging me or my family or doing this to me for X, Y, Z reason? And um, that's a really that's a really painful thing to hear sometimes when you hear that come out of someone's mouth because um, the answer is, I don't know, right? Um, but, like, and I think of that too, like there's been so many people who, uh, like that I know who like have had kids that are sick, you know, or they die and they don't, they don't, you know, people who have prayed for like healing and they don't get it. Right. And then they, they categorize that under, well, God must've been, you know, punishing that person for something. Why didn't they answer that? Why wasn't that prayer answered? And, um, it's, it's just really, it's a really complex thing to set in and say, I don't know what God's like reasoning was for whatever happening. Like, I don't know if there was a situation of punishment. I don't know if there's a situation of sin or if that was just a natural consequence of, of just the way the world is, the, the, like the brokenness of the world, you know? But even, even though it, even that though is complex because they said, well, then isn't God sovereign? Isn't God good? Like, why doesn't he, isn't, if he's in control of all these things, well, then why is that just a natural consequence of the way the world is, you know? And, and so to me, sometimes there's never a really good answer in those situations other than for me to kind of say, we just, we just need to pray. We need to trust and know that God's good. And I always pray that when hard situations come up like that, that God will use them as a, as a means to draw close to people and draw them closer to himself and not further away because sometimes those situations push people further away from him. I I also know that people are sometimes looking for the solution to the, the situation. Yeah, they want to answer. So they think, okay, if I did something wrong, and this is why this is happening, if I repent of it, if I make it right in some way, then it'll stop, right? So like when, when, my, when my son has to go to his room and I say, you can't come out until you're ready to apologize to your sister for you know hitting her or whatever. Well, he, he, know, he can wait in there until he's cal- calmed down enough to say, all right, I'm ready to say I'm sorry. And so for him, it's a very simple transaction. So it, when I'm ready to say sorry, I, you know, I get out. That's what people are trying to do. They're mm-hmm. saying, I'm, I, I wish I, my needs were met in some way. If I just figure out the sin that I need to say sorry for, can I come out of my room? And it's not always that simple. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, it, 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 even if it is you know, disciplinary, um, it's not always how it works. So some of it is trying to control God and your situation and manage it because it's hard. You do, it's, it's hard to not know. It's hard to not have control. And sometimes these things are used that way. Yeah, I have a hard time believing that people wouldn't know. Like when people ask, is there, is there something that I've done that I'm not aware of that God is punishing me for? I don't see anything that resembles that in the character of God in scriptures. Like when, when, like in the New Testament, it says, I'm a good shepherd and my sheep know me by my voice. We, we serve a God that speaks to us. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. So I can't imagine a scenario where someone is doing evil that is angering the Lord and they don't know it, right? Yeah. So that, that seems like a weird category. I think I would have to admit though, that I have perhaps engaged in pastoral malpractice uh, in trying to show empathy or affirm people. So someone will say to me, I think the Lord's angry with me. And I would say, no, the Lord loves you. 
as if those two things are mutually exclusive, yeah. like that both can't be true at the same time. If someone says, I think the Lord's angry with me, maybe the response is possibly. Yeah, why do you think that? Because yeah. if, if we're looking at the scriptures and it's the revelation of who God is and it says, so the Lord's anger burned against Israel, we have to deal with the fact that the Lord's anger burns against certain things, mm-hmm. right? And, and it doesn't mean that he didn't love Israel at the same time. So those, those two are not mutually exclusive. The Lord's anger, Israel, and then just a verse later, he seeks the Lord's favor. The Lord listened to him. The Lord's he, anger is real. And he saw how, how hard it was. Like there's, there's both of those things happening yeah. at the same so time. So the Lord's anger is real. The Lord's favor is real. Mm-hmm. And the whole time he has a purpose for and love for the people of Israel. Mm-hmm. All right, what else? Well, we moved. We just slid in the message. I'm not going to ask what You're else you see, new, unless you guys have more notes written down that you have not spoken I, yet. I, I did have one thing I thought was interesting. All right, go for so it. The, see, see verse seven. It talks about, it kind of feels like a, just a tactical report, like how many, how many uh, soldiers were left after this battle. Um, but it's, it's meant to show like they're devastated. Like the striking phrase of they were made like dust on, during threshing time. Um, I actually saw this in, in connection with um, the discipline that God was doing. So if they had this big um, army and the, the, the notes in my study Bible said that um, there were 2000 chariots from the previous, you know, one of the previous Kings, and now they've got 10. Right, so it's a big reduction. Um, some of what is going on here is not just delivering them from the other, you know, the, the oppressive king that was punishment, but there's a little bit of saying, you know what, this thing that you were relying on, the strength you thought you had, the presumption, like there's a humility that comes after discipline when sometimes we say, you know what, here's what I was banking on. I no longer have it. What do I have to rely on? Well, it's just God. Like who's gonna protect them now? Well, it's not going to be their chariots, right? Like they're not going to go back to saying, well, we got this. Well, they are because they didn't learn the lesson, but they shouldn't, right? Like it's meant to show them, here's where your real strength lies. Here's where your real dependence should be. All right. So we wandered into message, then moved back into observation. (laughs) And now let's move back towards message. So uh, what message might we draw from this text today? For me, I I think this is a... Um, this is kind of like a classic uh, passage on like checking yourself for how um, you know how how you might be living that it might anger the Lord. Where do you need to repent? It's um, kind of where, where do you need to kind of do some checkup? Check up with yourself, honestly checking in with how you're doing. You went with the check yourself before check you wreck yourself. yourself. Before yeah. you wreck yourself. <laughs> All right, Clayton. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal my message a little bit from a song that we sing around here. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll change it up a little bit, but um, I think I want to say God's anger at sin is great, but His mercy is more. So we sing that song. Like there there is something like the profoundness of saying God has great love and mercy for His people is is in contrast with the tremendous anger He feels about our sin, like how great our sin is and how, how much anger it deserves. The fact that he is merciful in the wake of that um, is all the more profound seeing how, how, how serious the situation is. Uh, I'm going to focus in on the Lord's favor. And so I'm looking at verse four, it says, Jehoah has sought the Lord's favor and the Lord listened to him for he saw how severely the king of Aram was oppressing Israel. The Lord provided a deliverer for Israel and they escaped from the power of Aram. Uh, 
Um, trying to come up with a pithy, pithy message. I think I'm just going to say the Lord's favor is real. So we can move on now to meditation, which is prayerful thinking. This is where we want to invite God to speak to our hearts, speak to our minds. Uh, This is where your prayer life intersects your Bible reading life. In the podcast, we take 45 seconds to do this. And so let's see. I always pick one of our three. I don't always go with mine. Oh, let's go with, let's go with Nikki's today. Nikki went with the check yourself before you wreck yourself. So 45 seconds on checking yourself before you wreck yourself. Uh, areas of repentance, 45 seconds. Okay, and we move on to the final letter in the comma method, which is A for application. This is the so what question. This is where text meets life. We always say we do this podcast because we want you to understand, enjoy, and apply God's word. We don't read the Bible just to become Bible trivia experts. We read the Bible because we want our lives to be formed the way God wants them to be formed. So application, what do we do with this today? Uh, Yeah, well, if you're... We're checking ourselves before we wreck ourselves. I, I just honestly, that's a honest assessment before God. Just, I think that's that's getting before Him and just spending some prayerful consideration on like, what am I? How am I? How am I doing my relationships? How am I doing in my work? What's my motivations? Like, how am I spending my time? What am I thinking about? What am I? What am I saying? What am I doing? Um, that could or uh, that could be displeasing Him and and. Uh, causing his anger to burn against you. So that's that's a, a big thing. And then just to repent to those repent of that. Um stay away from verse six, right? But they did but they did not turn away from their sins, right? Stay away from doing that. Turn away from it. I think if um if I'm thinking about the the, the weightiness of sin and the, the greatness of God's mercy, I think there's there are times when um confession of those things can be perfunctory. Like you, you, you can you acknowledge like I did this or whatever. Um, but there's something about allowing yourself to feel the weight of that. Like there, there's a, there, there's a slowing down sometimes when you're praying about those things where you say, I want to, I want to wait until I feel at least a bit of the seriousness of this, the weight of this, that, that I'm, that I'm a bit, you know, broken by it. And then also allowing the, 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 the next step of saying the, the weightiness of God's grace and mercy is immense and even greater and allowing that to be the, the joy and the relief that that is. So there, there's something about really um, not skipping too fast over those things and allowing yourself to feel the, the, the greatness of both the, the, the anger and the mercy. I'm going to piggyback on that and segue it into, can you piggyback and segue? I just did. <laughs> sure. And now I'm picturing a pig riding a segue. segue. So... <laughs> Repentance, 
the Lord's anger burning, repentance, Jehoahaz seeking the Lord's favor, right? And so in my head, there's like a sequence to this where there is such a thing as living in the Lord's favor. There, there's, a, there's a goodness of life under the provision of God, living in his favor. And I think the way you get there a lot of times is through repentance. And so repentance isn't like a bad thing just to like, I have to repent so I shut down the Lord's anger. It's actually a good thing. Like it's not the, it's not the perfect life that lives in God's favor. It's the repentant life that lives in God's favor. That's good. All right. Well, there you have it, friends. Thanks for listening this week. Join us again next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Schedule. In the meantime, if you're not following along with the reading plan, you can check out BibleSavvy.com to download it and start reading along. You can also subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week.